Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, April 19th. That means it is time for the Power Hour. We're going to open up the phone lines right now. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. Calls are already starting to come in. That's a good thing. You want to get in early. We've got... uh, Pete and Ethan with us today. Uh, Bruce is going to be off, and uh, we've got a couple things we want to talk about, and then we'll get to your calls, so line them up. All right, uh, I've got a couple things, but I think we're going to go to Pete first today. So, Pete, welcome. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. Great to be back. Yeah, glad to have you back. <laughs> Enjoying this. I, I left for the weekend, and here I am again, but uh, I love doing the show like this. This is great. I yeah. do, too. I and like we. If you're listening, we are also live streaming the show on the Pittsburgh Power Facebook page. I think we've got full audio this time. I know we tried this last week and we kind of threw it together at the last minute. We couldn't get caller audio in. But uh, we've been in the studio since early this morning. I think we got it figured out. So come on over to the page at Pittsburgh Power. Is anybody going to be answering questions there? Do we know? Maybe Probably Bill. not. Bill Maybe might. Bill. Yeah. Okay. So go on over there, jump in if you've got a question. Um, Maybe we'll try to monitor questions there if we can, and uh, we'll answer some if you put some in there, I think. Um, So go ahead, Pete. What's uh, what's new and exciting in your world? So I wanted to bring up delete. We get a lot of phone calls, people wanting us to delete engines, which we won't do. It's not a good idea. Uh, Two more companies got caught doing deletes, one in Iowa, one in Missouri. Okay. Um, they're uh, admitted to doing it. Right. And they'll be sentenced in June. Oh, boy. So, and there's, they were using remote tuning through okay. a third company that they didn't identify who that was. Okay, so I got imagine it. that person will be in trouble as well. Right. And whether the customers realize that, the EPA now so, has their names as well. So, let's clarify something because we talk a lot about remote tuning. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about the same thing here. We're, you're talking about after you delete physical parts, then you have to change the programming. So that's what they were doing. And that's why that's the illegal part. It's not illegal to remote tune something. Correct. Or to remotely troubleshoot something diagnostics. electronically, diagnostics. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Right. It's just that they were they were tuning it to as part of the delete to remove yeah. whether it be the EGR valve, the VG turbo, got it, EPF, um, and, and the system's not a problem like it used to be. We're not having the problems, and we have a lot of products to help prevent issues, such as the max mileage. Guys that are running uh, the max mileage aren't having regen issues. They're not getting the DPFs cleaned as often. They're not needing it. Right. Uh, if the DPF needs cleaned, we have DPF alternative now. It's a great system getting it cleaned. If guys are buying older trucks with mileage, we have the diesel force cleaning to clean all the soot out of the engine. So there's a lot of things to eliminate the need to be doing deletes. This doesn't need to be done. You know, you look at the history of this because we were talking about deletes over a decade ago. It's almost 15 years now. It's been that long. But it was only a year or two because we had no other idea how to keep those things running back then. And then we stopped. And if you look at the history... Everything we've done to keep these things running is just getting rid of soot. Yes. Isn't that the whole thing? 
was there anything else? I mean, in the beginning, remember, you used to take the whole system apart and, and clean, clean yeah, by hand. physical cleaning by hand and replace any sensors that might have been too gunked up. And then, you know, the DPF came along, so we had to figure out how to clean those right. Then the diesel force cleaning. Now we know the catalyst cleans up the combustion. So really, it was just a matter of trying to keep these things clean, which we now know how to do. And they've come a long way with the components as well. It probably, they've yeah. come but, a long way. We're not seeing, you know, we see VG turbos that, you know, 700,000 miles, it's the same turbo. Yeah. You didn't see that in 04 and 05. Boy, remember all the turbos that were failing. Yep. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've come a long way. So it just doesn't pay to do delete. You run the max mileage, do the diesel force cleaning, have DPF clean your DPF when it needs cleaned. And you're really going to eliminate a lot of problems. You know, the other thing, and, and we've talked about it a lot with the Volvo engine, but uh, Detroit's heading this way now, and I think the others are. Specking and driving these things right can make a difference, too. Mm-hmm. Keeping the heat in the engine, because it's heat that was designed to keep a lot of this stuff clean in there, and running it in the right RPM range as much as possible seems to help a lot. Yes. So yes. now it's a matter of spec it right, drive it right, and that'll help your emissions live longer. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. come a long way. Yeah, really has. Um, have either one of you guys looked at the 2027 requirements? I uh, have not yet. Yeah, so I did see that they, um, I think I'm saying this right, that company Acades, Acades Power, they make that opposed piston engine. So their claim is that Right now, today, they could meet the 2027 requirements with no new after-treatments. So they're going to use standard, you know, after-treatment SCR DPF that we have now, and they believe that their engine with the standard after-treatment is going to meet the 2027. I saw yesterday, I think it was a Pete, is it a 579? Forget which model, but they, I saw the engine in it, and they're going to be running one on the road. Isn't quite a bit wider? Well, it'd have to be, right? No, it's actually a lot shorter. Okay. It's um, it, it's just wild to look at it. I mean, the, it's got two crankshafts. There's one so at the top, top and, and one at it's okay, a top and side and side. Oh, yeah, it's a okay. vertical. So now it's only three cylinders long, mm-hmm. but it's six pistons and two crankshafts, and the pistons have rings on the top and bottom. It's really a bizarre-looking engine. Um I think they were claiming 400 and some horsepower and quite a bit of torque. It was, um, I think the torque was higher than you would normally see in a 400 horse. What kind of cubic inch, they say? Yeah, now I don't remember what it was. I think it was a little smaller. If I remember right, I think it was smaller than normal. If but, you get the torque up, it doesn't matter. Right, right. But it's uh, it's just so hard to get your head around how many things that changes when you've got six cylinders or six pistons, but only three cylinders, technically. Um, I guess Cummins makes a version of this already that's an eight-cylinder, and they use them in tanks or they've got some sort of military application for it. So I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, if this actually works, you know, it, it, it's hard to go to a brand new engine technology like that because you have no idea what's going to happen when they get to a half a million miles or whatever. But I also, I'm not looking forward to going to a new emissions technology because every time we've had one of those, we've had years of problems with them. 
Yeah, look, with from the N14 to the ISX, the problems that occurred. Right, yeah. You know, N- NTC and to N14 wasn't that different. No big deal. Uh, but when they went right. to the ISX, it was a different beast completely. Yeah. And same with the DDEC 4s and 5s to the DD platform. Yeah. Yeah, now you're looking at the biggest repair you do on one of these trucks might be the one box, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. So I, I, I just don't want to see another new downstream aftermarket treatment or, you know, I just uh, hasn't been good. Every, every time it takes us a couple of years to work out the problems on them. And the so, truck driver's paying the bill. Exactly. Yeah, and the problem's getting worse because the cost of everything getting fixed is going up. And I just experienced it. Just trying to get into a shop is getting difficult. Yeah. I know you guys deal with it every day. Uh, it's not, you know, shop space. It's just people. Just getting enough people to do the work, mm-hmm. and everybody's feeling it. So the last thing we need is another maintenance issue to deal with. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Ethan, what do you got on your mind today? Oh, just the we had a really cool little project come in. Um, benefited everybody in the end there. So fuel mileage is always the name of the game, and tunes oftentimes can lead to fuel mileage. Right. But a bad tune can do just the opposite. Um, and a lot of those too, to touch on the deletes there, um, you get a bad one where somebody, you know, messes with the timing, adds a whole bunch and doesn't quite know what they're doing because they've never actually worked on the engines and they're just a computer person. Right. And yeah, you can cost yourself a lot more money in the end than fixing it right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll bet. What was, uh, was there something specific wrong with this one or? Well, this was just a cat insert, everything on it. And okay. it was only getting about four and a half miles to the gallon. Oh, uh, yeah. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Not not, <laughs> not uncommon. Yeah. Now, the nice part is when the truck is here, we can put it on the dyno, right. uh, run it, and then actually get lifetime fuel mileage numbers at like 100, 150, 200 horsepower, which is about what we did. Right. And then we can make changes and then view what the new fuel mileage numbers are. Okay. And then run exactly the same test, same RPM, same horsepower, same torque, Got same it. duration, and then look and say, hey, did the calculated numbers at least come right. up? Right. So we're talking about calculated numbers out of the truck's own ECM, correct? Yes. Right. So we've talked about this over the years. Those numbers used to be horribly inaccurate. Used to be. and Or... Or you couldn't predict, and sometimes you'd check a truck and you'd go, oh, look, the ECM's really close to the real thing. Then the next truck would be three miles to the gallon off. I've seen some horrible numbers. Yeah, and they're hit or miss. Now, right. a lot of times, too, if someone goes in there tuning and doesn't adjust for that, it'll just, that's useless. Same thing. Um, now, you were telling me the other day you can actually go in and make some adjustments when you've got it on the dyno and get it closer, right? Yes, that and whenever, like, I get actual pencil and paper results. Got it. So the Series 60s dashes aren't known in the Freightliners for being very Correct. accurate. Yeah. Um, they're probably one of the worst. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They can be hit or miss. Sometimes they're spot on. Sometimes it's right. not even close. But if right. I have the actual information, we can calculate how close to get it and dial it pretty close. Yes. Um, okay. Normally within two tries, we get it within a tenth or two. If you can get that, that's pretty darn accurate. Yeah, and a, a third one would have got it closer, but most people are happy with that. And Right. Okay, it's good. And yeah. Happy yeah. walk away. And Yeah, when it comes right down to it on the road, we can't measure a tenth or two. 
three-tenths seems to be about the threshold of what we can measure accurately with all the variables you end up with on the road. Yeah, and that's where the pencil and paper, and then you yeah. average it and you say, hey, that's... That's pretty close. Yeah, a tenth yeah. or two. Um, but the nice part when we had it on the dyno, we saw, depending on the load where we were at, anywhere from a half a mile to a mile to the gallon improvement. Wow. So pretty significant. Now, will that translate directly onto the road? Some, but it, it, it's good information. We we made the number bigger, right? And that's it's, the goal is to say, hey, we made it more efficient. I know right. it was a lab setting, and you don't have wind resistance and everything else that plays into account, right? But you don't. We want to eliminate those variables to start with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a tool we didn't have before, and uh, the other thing, you know, I've been trying to tell people for years: people will do something for fuel mileage, and on their first trip out. They'll go, oh, look, I got a half mile per gallon better. I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. There's no. way too many variables. We, it, we would try to do 30-day averages, to, but that's difficult, too, because you got to get a good 30-day average before you make the change, and then you got to get a good 30 days after with no other changes. Like something as simple as you blow a tire, put a new tire. Well, you just change the rolling resistance on that tire. Yeah, and every little variable plays and, into it. And there's um, so many variables. And the weather is just, you know, unpredictable. Yep. And so you got to really get a big average before right. you can say, hey, I'm, I'm this, I know it didn't work or I did, it did work. When I, was, when I was able to do the best testing for fuel mileage was when I had three trucks on at FedEx all running the same route every day. Same route, same driver. It was Florida, Georgia, maybe South Carolina, so the weather didn't change nearly as much as other parts of the country. So we had taken care of a lot of variables, but the way I would do it is I would either make the change on two trucks and not the third, or make it on one and not the other two, and they were the control. Because there were times where we would run a 60-day test, 30 days prior, 30 days after. we do it on all three trucks, And we'd look at the truck where we made the change and we'd go, oh, look, it picked up four-tenths of a mile per gallon. We'd look at the two control trucks and we'd go, oh, look, they picked up three-tenths of a mile per gallon. Where did that come from? Yeah, and one-tenth isn't enough at that point to say it did something or not. Right. So at that point, we would call that a null test. Now we didn't prove anything worked on this one. Yeah, you'll just have to do it again and see if you get a different result. Or if you get the same result, then no, it didn't make a difference. Yeah. So when you get one guy with one truck who runs all over the place, not the same route all the time, the weather changes all the time, the freight, our trailers were always the same. Sometimes these guys that pull different trailers that could have a huge impact on your fuel economy. Oh. We've, we've tested trailers that could improve fuel economy by one full mile per gallon. So now you've got these guys dropping and hooking trailers and thinking they're, they've got accurate fuel mileage numbers. We're not even close. No, that's where the, the big averages come in. Yeah. So the, the ability now, which we've never had before, of at least getting some numbers off the dyno, that's a, that's, it's one more piece of information. And a dyno is a very useful tool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's everything has, every tool has its limitations. Um, but the, with the dyno, you can know when it leaves the horsepower and torque are right. Yep. You can get some fuel mileage readings if that's what the complaint is and what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, did I make a difference in the lab setting or did I not make a difference? Exactly. Um, and 
it just overall you can use it for a couple things. I mean, vibrations, fan issues, you name it. it yep. It's all there. Yep. You know, hey, is the dash looking, actually reading right? Looking for a boost leak. Yep. <laughs> you know, is it doing the right amount of boost in the case right. on, under power? Right. Uh, you know, there's a couple limitations, though, like checking for heating issues. Sadly, that it doesn't work on a truck that it, likes to heat up because right. the lack of airflow. Right. Um, every truck will run hot on the dyno a little bit than it does down the road. Yeah. So one yeah. thing it definitely can't do. And it's hard to buy a fan that can move air at 60 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. So Lots a certain of volume of air at 60 miles an hour. I've had them quoted. Um, the Have last, you? Yeah, I think about half, five years ago, we talked to a company. I was just curious. Right. And, well, the first problem is you have to bolt it to the floor. Because yeah. uh, it'll take off <laughs> it'll across go the parking the other lot. Way. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And next, it's about sixty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, that's a little expensive. I yeah. Would say. Then how do you get yeah. the truck in and then get and the then bolt that thing it? in front of it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. not worth that yeah. investment. Maybe uh, maybe Al Hammerson's listening and he can design something, <laughs> something to go along with the dragon. Or what are you calling that thing these days? That's a couple different names. Yeah, Bruce's favorite's so. the dragon. The dragon. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he could come up with something. Put yeah. on a trailer and back the trailer up to it. There you go. Now we're thinking. Hmm. So I uh, I just went through this whole boost leak thing. Ah, uh, yes. So uh, there's a lesson here. I can't count how many times over the years I've taken a call from somebody that says, my truck is just breaking down constantly. Is it time for me to replace it? It's nickel and diming me to death. And there are no nickels and dimes in trucking. It's, it's hundreds and thousands is what it is every time. And, you know, normally we, it's just math. You know, as long as they're tracking their numbers, we'll look at it and go, okay, well, what is your maintenance cost? You know, it used to be 14 cents a mile. Now it's running 20 cents a mile. Yeah, that's a lot. But what's it going to cost you to buy a new truck? Or to upgrade a truck. And you never know what you're getting. And it's not like a new truck has zero maintenance costs, not even close. So it's always a challenge. When is that time? And I've dealt with it with my own trucks. But again, it was math and it seemed like an easier decision. Now I think I've hit that place with my coach. <laughs> this year, this trip, it has just been nonstop. But I, I sat down yesterday and I went over it all and I thought, you know what? I really like this. They don't make them anymore. Um, if I wanted to upgrade, it's several hundred thousand dollars more. Uh, I can repair a lot of things for that kind of money. The, the biggest challenge was finding someplace to do it. You know, I, I, I really only like the factory in Oregon to work on it, but last time I made an appointment was two or three months ago, and it's still out at the end of July before I can even get in. So I left here on Friday thinking I had everything fixed and uh, was running great. And all of a sudden, I started losing a lot of boost quickly. So I stopped on the side of the road, and it was Friday night. No parts were open, but I tore into it, found an exhaust clamp busted. I didn't think that could be the whole boost thing, though. So I got the clamp on on Saturday, and sure enough, I was still only getting about 14 pounds of boost. So I was shocked that there had to be at least 10 shops in Somerset. First off, nobody really had anybody that could look at it. You know, it was one of those things, we're really busy. If it's an emergency, we'll look and see if we can do something quick. And I said, well, the first thing we have to do is find the boost leak. I said, can you pressure test? Or I asked if they could smoke test, knowing that truck shops can't smoke test usually. And they looked at me like I had three heads. Like they didn't even understand how to pressure test the system. 
And I thought to myself, what what do they do to find a boost leak then? And it's so basic. I know. I mean, it's literally the easiest thing to find a problem. Yeah. And it, we see that all the time. And, you know, it's hard enough on a truck, but when you look at the plumbing that's in mine between the twin turbos and the fact that all that plumbing is hidden, you can't get to most of it, um, trying to physically find that boost leak would have been impossible. I mean, how would you even begin to start? And I actually had one mechanic tell me, oh, it could just be a tiny little pinhole in one of the boots. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've lost 20-some pounds of boost. That's not a pinhole. We've got a big blowout somewhere. Um, But I wasn't able to find it until I just decided it made more sense to drive the 60 miles back here. So I got back here yesterday morning, and 15 minutes later, we knew what it was. Blew out a charger cooler. That's 15 years old, so... Um, I think I'm just at that point. It's time. I'm just going to start replacing things. I'm going to actually go through and start replacing things before they break. So I'm going to make a list, and uh, it's nice that I can do it here myself. So um, and, now and you, the, you did good for the air to air. I mean, we see air to airs that don't go that long. Yeah, exactly. That's, did it, very well. Yeah, to have it on there for 15 years, and you know, and it may have been leaking a little bit before, and we didn't even notice it. Who knows? We didn't test it last time because. Without tearing the bedroom apart, it was almost impossible to find a place to test. Yeah, we had to come up with a really unique way last time. Yeah. We kind of did it differently than it, the normal. Um, we did it on the intake piping. Yeah, and it took a while. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, and you couldn't get the pressure up the same. Right. Because you're not clamped directly to the turbo. The other pipes are meant to be under vacuum. Right. Um, and you can't go over tightening because they're all aluminum. Yep. Um, and they're not very thick. So, yeah, you don't want to break apart on that because you'll be, ooh, yeah. Waiting for now, that for a while. Now I've got the uh, the tear in the bedroom apart down to a science. I know where to put the mattress. I know where to put the doors to get them out of the way. I can I can get into the engine in about 15 minutes now. It's not that big of a deal. So, And once we got in there, we were able to smoke test it in a matter of a couple minutes and found the leak. Now the challenge was the only charger cooler in the country was in Oregon. Uh, ironically. <laughs> yeah, it's where I should be, but I'm not. Uh, so we had to put a charger cooler on an airplane to get it here. That's not cheap. Uh, but the charger cooler shocked me, $3,600 for a charger cooler. What was the average? Aren't they like thirteen or 1400 Yeah. That's what I thought. I mean, yours is double the size of one well, in a truck. It's what? wider. It's longer. It, it's a big unit. Do you think it's so big because it's on the side? Partially. Yep. And the... The, the engine that's in there. So the A-cert makes hot intake air temps because of the twin turbos. Oh, You're compressing okay. it twice. Yeah. So in order to cool it, and it's on the side. So, so you don't get a lot of airflow over there. That that I would, That's why it's so big. Yes, yeah. and the it combination a, of the two factors together. Yeah. Bigger is better in this case. Yeah, and it's so big, and it's uh, one unit with the radiator, the charger cooler, and the AC condenser, and the whole thing has to come out through the bottom. <laughs> So we got to figure out how to get the coach up high enough to get all of that out through the bottom. Plus, you have to disconnect all that stuff. It would be so much easier if I could just take the charger cooler out. Now I have to take off AC lines, coolant lines, all of that stuff. So that's uh, that's going to be my week. After hours, I just pull it into the garage and start working on it. So, all right, uh, anything else? What uh, Was there something else you were supposed to explain? No, I think that's it. That was it? I think so. Okay. All right, so uh, we're going to go to some calls then. Let's get started in Michigan. Tom, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Oh, I seen you down at the Louisville Truck Show. We had a uh, booth set up, uh, Kitty Corner Cross from Bruce's. Uh, and I got a chance to show Pete and Bruce. I've got a self-cleaning taillight that I was wondering if you could take a look at one time. Self-cleaning uh, taillight. Did you look at this, Pete? Mm-hmm. Yes, what do you sir. think? It's a great idea. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it's cleaning the ice and snow off, not yeah. dirt. And, of course, the LED bulbs don't get hot enough for it to melt the snow. Good point. And they yeah. have ones that are heaters, and he's using uh, basically washer solvent. Okay. And yet it seems to do a really good job. Uh, yeah, I'd it's like to take a look difference. at that. Yeah, I'd appreciate it. Uh, it took uh, six years and 167 tries to develop it. Uh, the key to this thing was is that nobody wants to use it if you've got to go through a ton of windshield wiper fluid. Correct. So uh, yeah. I've been using it for the past six years, and I'm able to go a week's time on just about a gallon of fluid, depending on the, the outside conditions. Okay. Uh, and it's not that it, often that you spend the, the a reason, week in those kind of conditions. It's not that often at all that you spend a week in those kind of conditions. Right. Um, the way the system's set up is you activate it, it comes down for one second, it goes off for 10 minutes. By doing that, it uh, basically keeps the light clear. And it, it's, it, I developed it for cold weather especially, but it seems to work really good out in the, uh, the fields and stuff like that for like the oh, oil yeah. wells and stuff. With all the dirt. and So, yeah, so, so that, that was the benefit, yeah. The dirt is it cleans itself in the summertime too. So you figured out 166 ways not to do it, right? I figured out 166 ways definitely not to do it. I put my poor wife through all kinds of heck. Yeah. Standing out in all kinds of weather trying to videotape this thing and go, please make this work. It took a while, but uh, I think we have a really great product. I think it's going to be something that people are going to want on the back of their tractors. And I think snowmobile trailers, I, I think it has a really wide use. So uh, how can I see it? Um, if, you, if you go online at B-E-E-S-E-E-N technology.com. We have a video on there. Okay. Uh, and then uh, that'll get you the gist of what's going on with it. Yeah. And then any questions, our phone number's on there and stuff. I will go check that out. I like the it's, sound of that. Yeah, yeah. it's B-E-E-B-S-E-E-N, B-E-E-S-E-E-N, Got it. I, will, I think uh, it's going to be the light to have. I'll check that out. You know, over the years, I've had many, many calls with people that have ideas for products. And it might be fuel mileage, it might be maintenance, and they'll call me because, you know, I guess they call me because that's how you get the word out and they want my opinion. And honestly, my opinion is, well, it's an idea. What, what are you going to do with it? Because it, everybody has ideas. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people do. And you found out what it takes to make an idea into a product, and it is not an easy process. No, it's not. It's really not. Uh, it, t- it just took quite a long time just to get the patent on it. Um, but I believe it was worth patenting it. Uh, Maybe. And uh, sometimes sometimes you just got to pursue your vision, you know? Yeah. You know, I actually have a different different opinion about patents because they're so expensive and hard to get and i've watched several patents do absolutely nothing one of my favorite products in the industry the um true balance the centering sleeves they got a patent on it and one of the big 
major tire companies just absolutely ripped off their product. Didn't even attempt to change anything on it. Just totally copied the product. They had massive distribution, so they were able to get their product out into all the tire stores a whole lot faster. And the company went through years of fighting them. And you know what the end result was? This made me insane. The problem with this stuff, it goes to court, and those judges don't know what they're looking at. They understand the law. They don't understand products and technical details. So the the judges just kept pushing it up to the next court. They had to keep paying attorney fees every time, and then ultimately the court sent it back to the patent office. And the patent office said, oh, we should have never issued the original patent, and they had no protection. No protection after after all of that. So my take on patents anymore is you should just hope that you design a product so good that somebody tries to copy it. Because it, 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 well, then you probably it. got we a product to. you can still sell and, and let somebody copy you and, and you know, deal with it because the courts are a mess on this stuff. We had one, uh, one gentleman at Canada that said he was sending his engineer down just to knock us off. And yeah. to be honest with you, he showed up. So, I mean, I told him, I said, take a look, look at it. Uh, I think we have a great, it, it's really sound the way it is. But yeah, I'm like, Good. you. Good. just because you have a patent doesn't really mean anything. No, you just I mean, got to get it out there and market it and, and hope that it's good enough that somebody wants to copy it. That's it. That's well, good. exactly it. I will, uh, I'll go check this out but, and I may be in touch. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for everything you guys are doing over there. You're welcome. Especially, I want to shout out to those guys at Pittsburgh Power. They've helped me out a lot. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Washington this time. Brent, welcome to the program. Hello. What's on your mind today? I had an oil sample. Um, I'm a brand new owner operator. It's a brand new truck. Have about forty thousand miles on it. I um, listen to you guys. I try to follow your advice. For example, I've been using the catalyst from day one. Uh, I replaced the torsional damper, and when I asked the shop to do that, they're like, "Why?" And I said, "Because they go bad." And they like, they're like, I don't know. They 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 looked at me like I was crazy. Anyways, to make a long story short, uh, I have an oil sample. Everything kind of looks good, except for I forgot to add the section where it says makeup oil. Uh, I just didn't see it or something. My paper was folded in half and I didn't even know that existed. Okay. But I'm using about a, a gallon of oil every week, which is about 22, 2300 miles a week. Oh, and it's that's, been like that day one. That is not a good sign. So I'm a little confused. When did you buy this truck? What month and year? Uh, October of last year. So October of 21. Yes. So then the, all three of these oil samples are yours, correct? You pulled all of, all three of these on this truck. Yes. And there was, there's a fourth one, but the lab lost it. So, well, part of the issue. So you're running less than 3000 miles a week, right? Yes. So by the time we get to 25,000 miles for a sample, um, you've already put in eight gallons of oil. Yes. 
Yeah, I've been changing around like 10, 11,000 miles. Why? I just don't know yet. Well, stop that. Stop that. You're changing it every 25,000 miles without changing it because you're putting in so much makeup oil. Well, the first two times my base was flagged at uh, critical levels, I think. So, um, well, it, I, I'm I, looking I at understand. it. It wasn't that critical. I, I know they showed us a, a three, oh. but, and, and base is easy to fix. Um, hotshot secret makes a well, product. You can I, add base, but we have, we correct, have, a, we, added, I used that. Hey Brent, Brent, let's not even bother yes, looking at this oil sample. You have a much bigger problem. That engine needs rebuilt. Oh, Okay. You're you're okay. you're at the point where we would tell you to schedule it now. How many miles are on it? Uh, this is the bad thing. It's only got five hundred and twenty-six thousand miles. It's uh, this is an ISX fifteen. What year? That's uh, a twenty fifteen CM twenty three fifty. Yeah, let's just make sure too to check the basics because remember, there's two other places to check. Make sure the air compressor isn't your issue, and also make sure. The turbo isn't turbo. actually right. eating the oil there. Um, there's common yeah. procedures for What's, that one. Um, Valve guides even. Yeah. And so you'd put the truck so, on a dyno with a manometer. I was just going to say, isn't the quickest way to check just yeah. with the manometer test? Because yeah. if he has consumption and no blow-by, then it's the air compressor or valve guides, right. which is a lot more economical to fix than a rebuild. Yeah, but if we have a lot of crankcase pressure, then it's going to be cylinder kits. Could be a turbo. Yeah, there's um, a okay. occasionally there's a special yeah. tool for that that Cummins doesn't actually sell. You build it. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and you kind of got to modify it per truck a little bit there. But okay, you basically it's got a couple valves, and then what you do right before the the you take the drain valve and put it in a bucket. Okay, but you also route it back into the engine right before they do the the pull. You put the oil into the bucket from the turbo. Oh, so this okay. tells you if the blow by is coming from the turbo because if the blow by drops then you now know that, hey, uh, the turbo is not the issue or is the issue. Got it. So, Brent, you ready for my recommendation? Yeah, I've got a pen because uh, you guys said a lot. So I've got a pen. I'm ready, yeah. Yeah, this is real simple. You're not going to have to write it down. Point that truck towards Pittsburgh Power and just <laughs> get it over here. Get a dyno and see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I- I'm on the West Coast in Washington, and I'm a, a local guy, like a regional guy. Uh, that truck's got wheels. I wish. <laughs> I understand that. I'm a single so, dad of a seven-year-old, and you know, so I kind of. Do, do you yeah, have a good shop you trust? No, I'm learning. Like I said, I'm a brand new owner operator. Uh, I have not found a good shop over here. I've tried to call. Pittsburgh Power and ask if uh, you guys had any recommendations of a good shop around here, and um, uh, I haven't had any luck. Um, there's a lot of uh, backyard mechanics around here. I, I honestly, I have not been able to find a shop. I, I, I'm 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 dying for recommendations. Uh, well, we'll throw it out there. Maybe somebody listening has some. Um, I live on the West Coast, and I don't have any really good shops that I would trust with something like this. Because the, the first thing we need to do is what we were just talking about. You have to absolutely verify where right. the oil consumption is coming from. 
it, most likely is cylinder kits. I mean, it isn't that what you see most of the time. Yes, but, but you but, hate to rip something correct. apart and then look at it and be like, ooh, yeah, whoops. 25 grand for an in-frame now <laughs> that might be an $800 air compressor. Exactly. So the, the first thing we've got to find is a shop that we trust to check this correctly so we know what the problem is. Okay, so I need to check, have them check my air compressor. Well, see, this is the problem. Uh, it, 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 trying to explain what you should do to you and then have you explain it to the shop is never going to work. We want a shop where you pull it in and you get the same answer you just got from us. Could be the compressor, could be valve guides, could be a turbo, could be cylinder kits. Here's how we test it quickly to know which one it is. That's what you want to hear from the shop. If we have to explain to the shop how to test for this, then I don't want my truck in that shop. I think I know of a good shop. I just haven't been there. Um, But it's uh, it's, I think I I might know of a good shop. Um, here, here's what I want so you to do. I just go and tell them? Here's what I want you to do. Pull in, find the service manager, whoever you deal with there and say, I have a lot of oil consumption. Can you tell me what it might possibly okay. be? Okay. And then he should go on to say it could be this, this or this. And here's how we'll test to figure it out. And if he says, oh, it needs rebuilt without so, looking at it, it's kind of a red flag. Correct. Okay. So I was under, I just thought to myself that you would be able to tell if it needed rebuilt by an oil sample by the wear metal. Nope, never. But that's not necessarily the case, it, is It's it? not ever the case. I've never been able to tell that from an oil sample. Now, even if well, we had... Oh, no, we we can tell a lot of other things in an oil sample. I can tell you if your combustion isn't good, if you're producing too much soot, if you've got fuel dilution, if your injectors are a problem, if the bearings are starting to go, uh, if we have dirt in the engine. There are a lot of things we can tell from an oil sample. But when an engine needs rebuilt is not one of them, because typically the wear that would cause you to replace cylinder kits happens over a million plus miles. Yeah. Now, what are the signs? What are the telltale signs? Because what are the telltale signs that my truck is going to blow up? It's because not, I have great oil pressure. It, my oil now are coming back good. There are no signs that it's going to blow up. I mean, that's not even a really good term. Um, engines can okay. suffer catastrophic failures. And there are no clues. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Catastrophic failures are pretty rare. We don't really have to lose sleep over whether or not our engine's going to have a catastrophic failure because it doesn't happen often. When an engine needs rebuilt, when we say rebuilt, we're usually talking about cylinder kits, things like that. It's just typically oil consumption that tells us. Okay. Um... Yeah. Another thing is, is I have to add coolant to this thing about a half a gallon every two weeks. Does that help you guys figure out anything at all? Well, no, but I can tell you the good news. It's not ending up in your engine. So what you've probably got is a hot water leak that only leaks when you're driving the truck. All right. Well, I I wrote all this stuff down, but 
Yeah. Basically, I, I need to find a good shop and tell them I, I have oil consumption. Can you please tell me yes. where it's coming from? That's exactly what you should ask okay. them, yes. And then you can always call us back right, and, well, and tell us their answer before you make a decision and we can help you with it. Yeah, I think I would like to um, because I, I, I'm one of those guys who wasn't mechanically inclined and um, I'm learning as I go. Good, so, good. I, I know you guys know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, and so this, I, I trust your guys' opinion more than uh, some shop I don't really know. You know, we like to do the power hour because we get three or four brains in here, and these guys work on them every day, and I don't anymore. But for this question, if you get it to a shop tomorrow or Thursday or whatever day, you can call me any day. I mean, this is not a complicated issue. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you for everything all you guys do. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Good luck with that. Uh, hope we can find a good shop. That is getting harder and harder to do these days. It is. And one thing we should like talk about real fast is sure. like the different terms people use for like a, That's a, good a blown point. up engine, it, a wore out engine, <laughs> um, a rebuild. Y- yeah. I mean, good again, point. we talked about in frame, throw it together. Right. You, a lot of those terms are loose and they are used by the individual in ways that can be misinterpreted. Right. Um, you right. know, when an engine's blown up, it, it I've heard that where it's just consuming oil. It's like, it's not it's actually... It's not blown up. It's more worn out. It's it, past its useful life. Right. Now, um, if you can see your connecting rod... It's, that's blown it, that, up. That's, that might be blown <laughs> up. That Yeah, that's it's probably when we could use that term. A hole through a piston it, or right. something where it, it's catastrophically failed is right. typically where I'm going to go with the word blown up means is it something did come apart. And in my experience, there are almost never clues for catastrophic failures. If you get a clue, by the time you shut it off, it's, it's already done. Yeah, Which... Yeah. I was. I knew there was something I wanted to talk about earlier when you talked about all the crazy deletes and that kind of thing. Um, we've seen quite a few times where they turn off all the safety stops, the babysitters, so that you get low oil pressure and the thing keeps running when it shouldn't. Well, not only that is sometimes, too, I've seen it where if somebody goes in and advances the timing, because lots of timing will make great power and great fuel mileage. For a very short amount of time, um, <laughs> where it actually overcame the oil uh, pressure in the bearing and would beat the bearing out oh of boy. the rod. Oof. So it's like, what's that noise? And this is one of the few times where you hear something and then, you know, you shut it off, shut it off, shut it, it off. It's it, like, oh, yeah, that's a noise of death in a couple seconds here. It. It's, you're yeah. surprised it didn't come apart. Yeah. Um, so you just got to be careful there because, you know, a good tune can help you and then a bad tune will end up with a destroyed engine you know the the problem with that is when when trucks were completely mechanical and somebody did something you could see it you mm-hmm. can physically see what's been changed with that ecm you can't see anything and they can change an awful lot of stuff in there and they can hide things too yeah so it you know you might have a, a diagnostic laptop hooked up but you can manipulate numbers to say, hey, it's fine, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, that's kind of scary. So this is where you really want to trust the people that are tuning or getting into your ECM. Yeah, and then having the right tools again. Um, some person in on the that sits in front of his desk all day and never does, never even seen a truck engine, oh, I know what I'm doing. It's like, ooh, maybe. You're right. You know what you're doing in the electronics. Do you know all the effects that's going to have on that engine, the, the mechanical effects it's going to have? Yes. I right. mean, on paper, it might work. Or, right. 
hey, that's a great idea. Yeah, well, of course it got better fuel mileage, but, oh, the head's going to crack every 10,000 miles. <laughs> yeah. um, and those aren't cheap. Not good. Let's, uh, boy, the calls are flying in now. Let's go to Missouri. Rod, welcome to the program. Hold on one second. There we go. Got to press the right buttons. Rod, are you with us? No worries. I am. How are you doing? Good. What can we help you with today? Ah, question on my Volvo. Since day one, I've always ran high oxidation levels. And as seen if you have any thoughts. I never really got concerned about it because I dumped the oil every 45,000 miles um, until I got the, I finally put the OPS on. I went up and had Jim put it on for me last month or a couple months ago. Good. But I've always been a, a level four on my oxidation. And do you have any thoughts as to what would cause that? Yeah, the most likely cause is something's getting that oil hot. Um, hot spots in the engine somewhere. Pete, I know Air you compressor. mentioned compressor. Sometimes yeah. running too much can do that. Have you noticed your compressor running a lot? No, I did have to replace my compressor two weeks ago at oh. 500,000 miles. Well, maybe the next sample, you may not have that oxidation. And possibly. I was just mainly checking now, like six, and now I've got the OPS what? on, so I'm not planning on draining the oil anymore. Why'd you um, have to replace the I compressor? The, it just quit working, quit putting out air. Hmm. Literally pulled into the parking lot, went in, grabbed a shower, came outside, fired the truck back up, and it didn't build any air. Huh, that's um, unusual. What the mechanic yeah. told me in Fargo is on the Volvo, I don't know if it's all new compressors, but on the Volvo compressor, there's a oil-actuated clutch inside there, and he says that clutch can just get weak over time, and it won't allow it to engage and keep pumping air. Well, my guess is if it gets weak over time, that means the compressor's got to run longer it's to slipping. generate the same amount of air pressure, and that's probably where your oxidation was coming from. Well, possibly, but like I said, this has been, because I did 45,000 mile oil changes on it, that's what Volvo recommended, and I sampled, I've sampled every oil change I've done on this truck since new, and it's since day one, like I said, it's always been severe level four, uh, like I'm looking at my last three samples, and it's a 39, 34, and 35 of whatever this ABS CM is. Okay, so I would wait one more sample, because it is possible this compressor okay. was faulty from the beginning. And it just ran too much from the beginning. That's why it failed so soon. Because air compressors failing is pretty rare. I don't know how different this Volvo is with this clutch thing, but this is the first time I've heard of somebody replacing an air compressor in a long time. Low miles. So my guess is right. it, it may have been faulty right from the start, and that's what was getting your oil hot. So I'd wait till the next sample. And I do know that it is a different design that they put on. I don't know what the differences are. I know the external features of the new compressor are different from the one they pulled off the motor. So I don't know if there's an upgrade to it. Could have been. Other things I don't know. Listen, he might know better, but could have been. Uh, well, all I, I say is I'm thankful that Volvo puts the trader valve in the airline so I can hook up an air compressor and drive it to the shop as opposed to get with a air portable air compressor as opposed to getting towed. Yeah. Um, there are a couple ways you could do that, but that's nice when you just have the valve there to do it. Um, yeah, I, since this could absolutely be the cause of that oxidation, I would wait till the next sample. 
or even the maybe not even this next one, but the one after possibly. Now it should be half of a whiff. Well, you've been you've said that every oil sample showed high oxidation. So sure, yeah, yeah. So, so if the might, next one doesn't, like this time. yeah, if the next one doesn't, then that's a pretty good clue. It was the compressor. Perfect. Uh, on a side note, since you were talking about this morning with your RV and doing smoke tests and that, yeah, I don't know if you guys do it or not, or if they do it there at the shop. So, when, back before I bought this, I had my Peterbilt. I took it into T&E and had them smoke test it. Found no leaks whatsoever, but I was still losing. It just didn't sit right. My mechanic back home literally drove from Kansas City back to Montana. My mechanic had a little flange that he fashioned up. He took the pipe off of the turbo, put it there, and just pumped like 25 pounds of air pressure through the system. So that was the only clamp he disturbed. But we did that and found probably four leaks. I had three, uh, I had two clamps, a hose leak, and my charge air cooler in the shop. But and none of those showed up with the smoke test. I don't know what pressure they were running the smoke test at. Oh, just, Maybe it was just slow pressure. Yeah, the... I, the the reason the smoke tends to work better is because you could lose pressure internally on the engine. When you try to pressurize the whole system oh, rather than you smoke, you can actually lose the pressure internally. Okay. I mean, because years ago, back when I first bought the truck, this would have been 2010, I actually had it done in uh, Tennessee when you were partnering up with those yeah. boys. Right, and that's where we, we developed. We found a couple of leaks with that. Yeah, that's where I on that one. I found some leaks on that one with at that time. Yeah, if, with the smoke, but like this, if with you, TV, we thought no smoke leak, they, but yet I did get air leaks. I may call them. They may, may want to check their machine and see if they're put because if you have a leak, well, the smoke should come out. Yep. And keep in mind, I'm just throwing this out for people for a little bit of extra knowledge. I wouldn't call them about their machine because we're talking five years ago now. Oh. Oh, got it. So okay. I, I'm not trying yeah. to blame them now. I'm just no, trying okay. to give another okay. option that they could look at as opposed to just smoke. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we will pressure test the charger cooler itself and, and maybe a couple other parts. But if you try to test the whole system with pressure, it's not very accurate because you are going to lose pressure. So how do you determine where you're losing well, you're the pressure? Gonna lose, but you're going to lose. Well, you you're, you got constant pressure going. You hooked an air. We hooked an airline up to it with a pressure valve that it would not let over twenty or twenty five pounds of air go through the system. And yes, we were losing pressure up through like it was coming up to the exhaust. But we were able to go around with the soapy water that oh, spray. Okay. If you listen for cooler, it. yeah, got all it. Yeah. of the boots, all of that, right. So, yeah, and I, you know, I guess if if um, a lot of truck shops just don't have smoke machines because there's no other use for one on a truck, so um, that wouldn't be a right. bad way to do it and if they don't have a machine. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right, sounds good. Thanks for the call. We are going to uh, continue on today. Um, we're coming up on the top of the hour, but we've got calls on hold, so we're going to keep going with them. Uh, we'll keep going today till we run out of calls. Let's go next to Texas. David, welcome to the program. Yes. Got a question for Ethan. All right. Go for it. Uh, got an 07 Freightliner Columbia. 
60 series Detroit, 13 speed auto shift, big sleeper straight truck. I'm having occasionally my gas, my dash lights go out. Engine's running fine. Everything's working fine. Just all of a sudden the dash lights, the, 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 the gauges go out. And then in a minute, they'll come back on. Sometimes everything goes off like you turn the switch off and you get the beeping and everything of the startup, and sometimes they just go and come. I thought I had pinned it down to this past week when I pulled out of a truck stop in a very in a valley going uphill, uh, and it did it several times. And when I came back through there, it's uphill both directions. It did the same thing going out after spending the night there. But then yesterday, I'm sitting in line at the truck wash on the surface, and it did it a couple of times. So that going up a steep angle kind of blew out of the water. I don't know where to go. So there's two possibilities on this one. Um, The first would be that it's losing the key switch power, and that's causing it to recycle. Uh, The harder part about testing that is you need it to happen, and you need to be watching the voltage on the right wire at the right time and if it stays hot then all of a sudden you know that hey it's it's in the dash itself um but more likely it could be a crack in the circuit board that's causing this issue or a bad pin um, that's directly soldered to it i'm wondering if i need to pull the ecm off and send it to you well i don't think it's the ecm because the truck's not shutting down I think it's the the dash itself. Um, So, you know, your key switch power is what tells it to turn on, and then it starts to listen to the ECM and everything else where it pulls the data from. And then it makes the gauge move where it wants. Being that it's an 07 Columbia, it's probably time to replace the whole dash anyway. Yeah, sadly, with it bouncing around, it might have cracked a a solder joint. And in that case, you're almost never going to find it. Okay, that's why it's only the uh, the dash itself because everything else is doing just fine. Yeah, it just happens on the rare occasion. Yeah, and if it's not a okay, okay. well, sometimes they come back immediately, like you've turned on the switch, and sometimes they ease on one gauge at a time. Yeah, that's the one but, gauge at a time. I had, I, so I I have a quick fix. Just daisy chain three scan gauges in there, and you'll have twelve gauges up in front of you. I'd fix it. Well, it's, it's not overly concerning me because it's running fine and everything. It's just <laughs> the fact right. that I'd like to know what it is. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it really makes me think that there's something up with the dash itself. Now, you know, sadly, those parts are hard to find and probably expensive. Uh, at least the ones that I've priced lately have gone up and up. Um, some of them aren't even available, so you got to, like, find them in a junkyard and hope you get one that's better than the one you had. Uh, um, I think yeah. uh, I think I spent almost $6,000 on interior parts on a day cab. Yeah. It, it, and they all needed replaced, and you got to go deep down into that dash because it's all the supports behind it that break. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get deep into it, but I spent... Five or six thousand in about a week's worth of work to get it all replaced. Yeah, and if it's an intermittent problem, yeah. uh, one thing you could do is lean the dash forward and wiggle the wires behind it. You know, not violently or anything. Just move a few things around where it plugs into the dash and see if you can recreate the result when you're not moving. 
Well, I was thinking it was a loose connection behind the dash until I noticed it. I always did it going up a steep hill until yesterday. You know, it, well, okay, yeah. So if you don't, don't, don't make ECM problem, I'm uh, not overly worried about it then. No, if the truck's not shutting off, it's not the ECM in that case. Okay, good. I was thinking maybe it had might have got water in it, and that steep incline put the water in the proper place to short something. No, the okay. Common Thank issue, you. The common issue on those ones is a bolt falls behind the ECM, and then the truck will do funny things. But that's engine related. Uh, shut it off, not run right, things along that line. Okay. Appreciate the information. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Kentucky this time. Philip, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind? You're, you're probably gonna la- you're probably gonna laugh at my problem. I can't get over eight and a half miles of a gallon with my truck, and it's really boggling my mind. <laughs> well, um, given certain circumstances, the truck, the engine, the type of freight you haul, how fast you drive, there could be lots of reasons why you're not getting more than eight and a half. Well, I haven't done any mods. Well, I shouldn't say that. I had JR tune the truck about a year ago. I put an air dam on top, and my biggest savings on fuel was the cheapest thing I bought, and that was a turbo boost gauge. So what, when you say I mean, an it, air it, dam it, on if top. Something else comes out of this call. Go ahead. It, what kind of an air dam? Uh, it's a, it was a mid-roof, uh, uh, just a mid-roof sleeper. So I put the uh, factory. Oh, okay. That, that so just a factory ferret. Yeah, th- I was. I just wanted yeah, to make yeah. sure it wasn't yeah. some sort of aftermarket wing or something like that, because those things can actually make things worse. So, given the fact that no, but, you haven't done much, eight and a half is a pretty darn good number. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And now it's like really upsetting me that I can't do better. I, well, I think well, I'm wait a minute. Out what I can wait, do. When you said when you say you can't but you haven't done any modifications, what what have you done that you would right, expect right. to get better? Right. I am I'm, I'm pretty much topped out, I think. What? Um, I, no, for what I have. Why? You haven't you you just admitted you haven't made any modifications except a tune and an aerodynamic fairing and a boost gauge. And and I'm and I'm 100% agreeing with you. Okay, what I well, have right now, uh, so now I need to look at what, like an intake or an exhaust oh, manifold. Yeah. Or so your your question the, really like is, that. your question is, what can I do now? Yes. Got it. That makes more sense than I can't. I thought you were trying things and nothing was working. Well, nothing's working with what I have right now, so now I have to expand i've got to start adding stuff all right so tell us what truck what engine year make all that stuff transmission gearing 2015 yeah it's a 2015 um pro star with an isx jr tuned it to 600 or 600 or so i like him he gets a little aggressive with his tunes um (laughs) Super singles. It's uh, I got a tag axle. Transmission. 
uh, ten over. Rear end. Two fifty. Two fifty. So you're not using tenth yeah, at all. Awesome. Not really. I mean, I can, but no, not really. It it lugs it down too far if I use tenth. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a tenth gear with an overdrive and two now. I'm sure it's a double over, a point seven three final ratio. So, yeah, tenth gear. I'm cruising along at right at a thousand RPMs. There's another term somebody questioned the other day, and I was trying. (laughs) They were correct. I don't know how we should say this. To me, I don't care how many overdrive gears there are. I'm just looking at the final ratio, and if the final ratio is in the sevens, I usually call that a double overdrive. Technically, that's not correct because there's only one overdrive gear, but it's the final ratio we're concerned with. Yes. Other than just saying what the final ratio is, but when I ask people that, they never know. (laughs) If I ask them what is the final ratio in your transmission, they don't know. If I say is it a... Double overdrive, or they, they usually know that, even though whoever posted that was correct. That is that is an incorrect way to say it's not a double overdrive. Something accepted, a term that's been accepted that we've used, that right. everyone uses. And we kind of understand when you say it what we're talking about. Now, on a 13, 15, 18 speed, it makes sense. That would be a true double. But on the 10 speeds or even the old 9 speeds, it's really only a single overdrive the final drive but the final drive is what we would call it as a double over yeah so uh, i get it that was another term that gets used incorrectly but we kind of understand it and can be confusing sometimes yeah it can be so this is i mean this is a pretty darn nice setup for fuel mileage that's why we're getting eight and a half already got good aerodynamics with the pro star you've got a good drive train for fuel economy uh i assume you're driving it correctly um, fleet air filter? No, I, I, I have bought nothing for the truck. Okay, Not so, you know, a couple things that aren't very expensive at all. Fleet air filter will help. Um, I'd put an OPS on it, switch to synthetic oil. Uh, we could pick up, you know, maybe four tenths between both of those changes. Uh, what else are you guys thinking? Oh, exhaust manifold, intake manifold. Oh, on the ISX, that's right. Both the intake and exhaust manifolds. And if he's not running catalyst, that'd be a good place to start, I, too. Yep. Even if it doesn't help fuel mileage, it's cleaning the engine. I can afford to dump some money in this truck. I bought Now's this the truck time. Three years ago for 17. I bought this truck three years ago for 17.5 from a dealer with 364,000 miles on it. Wow, you could probably sell that thing for 60,000 these days. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I've been looking at the prices and laughing my butt off. You know, you know seriously, uh, we talked about this the other day. Um, you could probably sell that truck for enough profit that you could take six months off and just wait till the prices come down and go buy something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's such I a crazy just, time. Yeah. I know. And, I know. And, 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 and to top that off. I'm running a dedicated route at over seven dollars a mile. Holy cow! All right, so now is the time to, to take. I have literally done. No- yes, I have done nothing but make money with this truck. It's insane. The best thing that ever happened to trucking is COVID. 
Well, Sorry, but well, it, it was yeah, it was a. It's been a couple of good years. So, uh, but I think the party's over. So now it's time to take those profits and invest in fuel economy because I don't see fuel prices coming down anytime soon, if ever. I mean, certainly no, not no, till uh, not unless the political climate changes in this country. So, um, the kind of the investments cr- in fuel economy now about- pay back quickly. The crazy part about the uh, the freight rates, they just signed a contract with us last year for the same exact price. Good. Or they just signed it last month. Yeah, for excellent. For the same price for, for, another, for next year. I excellent. Mean, it's, it's freaking crazy. Yep. Take take your money then and so, invest in fuel economy. So I, I'd probably just schedule all yeah, those that, things. Intake, exhaust manifold, fleet air filter, OPS, switch to synthetic. That's all I'm coming up with right now. Yeah, that's but, what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about dumping five, six grand into it and see but, where we go. You know, you know, I, I would predict, this would be a great test on the dyno, I would predict a full mile per gallon. Yeah, on, we did everything. On, on those four changes, so really? roughly what would it cost? So fleet air filters, 400 bucks. Yeah, three, three and a quarter. Yeah. Manifold um, sixteen fifty. The intake's eleven fifty. Thirty one. So we're under four thousand. We're probably so five thousand. I'll certainly get it done. And a mile per gallon increase today that would pay itself back in six months. Yeah, uh, except I bought another truck, and I know <laughs> when I put somebody in this one. They're going to get six. It's going to really piss me off. What, what, what truck did you buy? Uh, I bought a 97 International 9800 cab over with your favorite engine. The 11 later. Oh, the M11. Ah, yeah. Ah, ah. Yeah. yeah, don't put a driver you in that truck. It, but I've had, <laughs> but I've owned two of these in the past. And with 391 rears and a 10-speed set the cruise on 65, the thing got eight miles of a gallon every day. I don't know why you hate it. Well, most of but them don't. And, and it's, it's not unusual to rebuild those at 600,000. That was almost common on those. When you tried to use them in a Class 8 pulling, you know, 60 to 80,000 pounds, that engine did not last. I don't know. I always loved that little truck. Well, well if you <laughs> so, like it, then I yeah. But Facebook, I, you know, I, I come up on Facebook Marketplace and I grabbed it. Yeah, um, I doubt that you're going to lose two and a half miles to the gallon from the driver. I mean, if you do, just fire him because there are bigger problems. Yeah. Now the driver's probably right. never going to get the kind of fuel economy you get, but uh, I wouldn't expect to lose that much anyway. And. Like you say, there's still a mile per gallon you could get out of that truck. Let's go to Buffalo this time. Steve, welcome to the program. How are we doing, guys? Good. Um, I recently just purchased a brand new uh, motorhome RV with a 6.7 Cummins in it. It's set at 360 horsepower and I think 850 torque. And I'm curious if there's anything I can do to it that will not void the warranty. I know I called Pittsburgh Power and the tunes of void, void the warranty, but wasn't sure if there was something like a power box or a module that I could put on after that would give me a little bit more uh, without ruining the warranty. 
No, um, not to my knowledge there, because technically, even if there was another device you'd plug in, if they figured it out, it would be the same thing, um, where, you know, everybody looks to get out of warranties anyway, and they'll look, even if they're, it's stock, everyone tries to get out of it for whatever reason. Gotcha. Um, in your opinion, is it worth, you know, getting a tune in it and, and taking the chance on that for a, a little more... I'm used to driving a, you know, a Volvo D13 every day, and then I get in this thing, and it just took a trip to Florida, and it's like, oh my gosh, going up these hills. And what size? Uh, and all that stuff. What size motorhome? It's a 40 footer. Oh, oh, too small of an engine. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah, horribly was, uh, underpowered. <laughs> I know, and that was, uh, you know, when we were shopping for it, it was. They assured me that oh we you know we tuned them up a little bit more three three sixty and eight hundred you know it, it, well and it, it's not the horsepower that's the problem it's the torque I mean three hundred and sixty yeah. hell I used to run you know the eleven liter series sixties I used to run them at three hundred and thirty horsepower and they pulled pretty darn strong because they had decent torque um so this is clearly a torque issue my guess is you probably have like four fifty three gears. Yeah, they were high. It's like a six-speed Allison. Oh, there's kind of boggled my mind. I, that's another yeah. problem. That Allison is horrible for putting power to the ground. The uh, final talk about mm-hmm. a talk about an overdrive. That's what we would call a triple overdrive. It's like point six two, I think. The last one I saw was point six three. Six six three. Oh, okay, they could vary year to year. I'm not mine's, an expert there. Mine's got the six speed Allison, and I've got like four. I've got four thirteens or something in mine for a rear end with a C thirteen, but you have to have that because of that transmission. For one, you only have six steps, so you got to deal with the fact that you've only got six steps instead of ten or twelve or. 13, um, and then you've got that really, yeah, really like tall final gear. Yeah, it will, because that, that final gear is just so... You lose so much efficiency. Yeah, it's awful. Um, there's not a whole lot of help for this thing, really. No, not without... You know, no. make sure it breaks in, and then the tune's going to be your best way to go it, it, once now, you're confident. It, now, I'll just throw my and opinion... What I really have to worry about I'll just throw my opinion in, and if the engine uh, ever blows up and they refuse your warranty, don't call me back. Um, if it were me, I, w- I would do everything I could possibly do to get more power out of that, and I wouldn't worry about the warranty. That's just me. Okay. I just didn't know if the, that, as it is, as it sits stock at 6.7, am I asking a lot out of it as it sits? Yeah. For a 40-footer. Yeah, for that kind yeah. of weight, Yeah. That's it's it's really underpowered. Should want the nine liter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the price difference to step up to the nine liter was a substantial jump. It, it's so incredible. I, I had a, a timeline yeah. of about five years on this. <laughs> yeah. No. It's I I get it. That, that when you go up to the it's the most expensive option you can add to any of them is trying to go to a bigger engine. Mm-hmm. So I. I can't call you back, but your recommendation is to get the tune and, and 
Don't worry about the warranty. <laughs> well, you can, you, as long as it's running good and you're smiling, you can call me all you want. But if it does blow up and they won't cover it, then don't call me. <laughs> and, and honestly, the, odd, the, the odds of anything happening, I think, are, are pretty slim, really. It would have to be a catastrophic failure. I mean, is it just right. a matter of, right. of me driving it the way I should drive it and not just holding it to the floorboards? Is when gauge is in there. Yeah. Gauge, pyrometer, drive yeah, by the gauge. Make sure you've got good gauges and drive it by the gauge. But I would be adding just about every performance enhancement I could. Okay. Perfect. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. I'll look forward to hearing from you. Better be good news, though. Let's uh, let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind today? On the show, we don't take warranty calls on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Not after the fact. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, the guy that had the, I think it was the first call of the, the ISX, the twenty three fifty that was using lots of oil. Yes. But it was only had half a million miles on it or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's really low mile. I'm guessing it's been a local truck all its life. But if it's using that much oil, which is about what mine was using before I went for the reboot, his emission system, his DPF and all that, that's going to be gunked up if it's not already. So it's just a matter of time before he runs into more and more problems. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, too, we forgot something. What's that? Well, being that they have blow-by sensors on them, it should be throwing a check engine light saying, hey, I got high crankcase pressure. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I was kind of wondering, he left out that there was no actual check, check engine, engine light. Because, you know, the newer the trucks, they decided to let you know when it needs rebuilt and watch it cause in case something fails and it starts to pressurize the crankcase. Boy, now that I hear about that, what took him so long? Yeah, I, I, that I was, would be a good number to be able to monitor. Yeah, and we tested one on a ISX in the on the dyno, hooked up an yeah. actual manometer, and then actually watched it, and they are spot on. Really? So, how many trucks have those? Do we know? Oh, I, I, I can't remember if the DD15 has. I know all the every huh. com, every new Cummins has one. Wow. They used to vent to the atmosphere, so the pressure was irrelevant, right? Compared to now, so right. that's maybe why they do that. They have the filter in there. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to look up the DD now. Yeah. Now you have to hook up to it to see that, though, right? Yes, but there should Boy. be a code on the dash saying, hey, you have a problem, and an ISX will derate and an X15. I, I wonder I wonder if that's a gauge that could be programmed into the scan gauge. It's Well, it's yeah, I, I don't see why not. I'll bet, it, I'll bet it's available if there's a signal coming out of the ECM. Oh, there's a signal then I'll bet that can be programmed into the scan gauge so you could actually watch it. Yeah, that, that's, that'd be interesting. we got to check that. That was in there because of the filter. If the filter plugged, you would show you high blow-by, so you knew to change the filter. Okay. I think more so than anything is why that was in there. But, but it would be a great also, way of watching yeah. your wear over time. Because if you have a clean filter yeah. and you have high blow-by, it's got to you know. be. Right. Interesting. Huh. So his oil consumption may not be a rebuild. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> I guarantee true. the shop's going to tell him it needs rebuilt without even looking at it. Guaranteed. That's why, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, huh. But the idea, if it is oil consumption, we are following the emissions. 
Yes. Yeah. Because it's it's hard on them. Especially yeah. It goes through the valve train. Quite a bit more, yeah. Right, right into the engine. Yep. Good thinking, Paul. Uh, the 20, the 2350, that was the one that did the carbon packing around the rings and wears them out. So. Yeah. Could be. The Could joy, be, especially the joy of the motor. local truck. Could do it. Yeah. Yeah. There uh, you go. One other, one other thing before I go. Um, I changed my starter motor last week or the week before. One million and sixty thousand miles, and when I hear the new one, yes, my old one was wore out. So, huh? We don't replace a lot of starters anymore. Yeah, I, I yeah well, a million and sixty. I, not, I turn my truck off a lot, so yeah, God knows how many times to crank it over, but. Multiple times every day. So Interesting. You know, I wasn't. I, I wasn't I, too annoyed with the service life of it. So, <laughs> yeah. Have any of the trucks put in any kind of a start-stop feature like a lot of the cars have today? Not that I know of. But I wonder if that's coming for twenty twenty-seven because I think that's why they did it on the autos. It was it was strictly to get some emissions down. Yeah, and that's a whole way of how the manufacturers have to meet so many vehicles, have right. to be it, and yeah, it gets complicated after that. But yeah, that might yeah. be a possibility. Yeah, I often wondered, um, when you've got that start-stop feature turned on and you're running around town, that thing starts an awful... I thought, how long is my starter going to last like this? Well, that, that's why they're so expensive. Yeah. So Eric and his Ford had to replace... Was it the alternator starter? It was ungodly expensive. That went because bad it's because got that of that feature. Auto stop start has, feature. It's a heavy duty alternator and starter. Even though he shut his off, right? But you're paying for the part. It was crazy money. Yeah, I didn't even think about expensive. that. That it's got to be a bigger alternator, and the starter would have to be different. Now, luckily on mine, I just turned it off because it's an annoying feature. Yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. Boring. For sure. Huh. But I wonder if that's coming on trucks for 2027 emissions. Yeah, possibly. I wonder if we'll see that. Anything else, Paul? No, that's it. All right. See ya. Let's, uh, we've got one more call unless something else comes in. We're going to go to New Jersey this time. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you very much. I have a quick one. Um, I have a Dodge 3500. It's a hot shot. It has a tune, and um, I have to change uh, the central gateway module on it. When they change that at the dealer, would that affect uh, the tune that he has? Do I have to tune it again? It's possible they're going to do what they call an update, you know, just because they are going to have to program that module to the truck. Um, and as we know, lots of dealers love to just go in and do updates, um, and mainly because, you know, they get, they get paid to do it. Um, and then that, that legal thing where they say, you know, think about the arguments they have all the time. Um, for a while there, they were debating whether, you know, who technically owns the rights to do that. And it got complicated. But since COVID, they kind of haven't been mentioning that too much lately. But it's a good possibility that they could go in there. So I have to do uh, run the, uh, the tuner again afterwards? Yeah, the best thing you can do, because it sounds like you have some sort of like a, a tuner there or a device, is put it back to stock and then send it to the shop and get it fixed. 
Oh, all right. And all then, right. No easy enough. All right. Yeah, because sometimes if you don't take it out and they erase over it and put it back to stock, your tuner gets mad because it doesn't see the tune in there afterwards. And then you'll have to call the company and get them to unlock it again. So putting it back to stock, even if they erase over it and put a, an updated file in there, when you get it back, you can just re-download it again. Oh, beautiful. I got you now. All right. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. All right. Thanks for the call. That uh, That's going to do it for the call. Anything we want to wrap up with? No, covered good I bit think today. we covered everything. Got it. All right. Uh, I was just looking through my notes and questions from online. I had a question about alkaline water. Uh, I'll probably cover it tomorrow since it's Destination Health, but I can just tell you this. Uh, it's bullshit. Um don't waste your money on it. If you want a better explanation, I'll probably go over it deeper tomorrow, but don't spend any money on it. All right, we will uh, see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. Thanks for all the calls today. Great stuff. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.